Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. So what do you call the seat that the Federal Reserve Chair sits in? The Fed Chair Chair? (laughs) That's amazing. How long did it take you to come up with that? (laughs) Too long. Too long. (laughs) I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... President Biden has a choice between Jay Powell, who's the current Fed chair, or, you know, having a sort of historic chance to reshape the Fed in a more progressive direction. Financial reporter Victoria Guida on the fight over the Fed and who will be the next chair who gets to sit in the Fed chair. Chair. So, uh, in classic Jeremy-Victoria conversation fashion, I'm going to start by asking you a super basic, potentially a little dumb question about your beat. What exactly is the Fed chair? Not to be confused with the Fed chair chair. (laughs) Um, So the Fed basically is in charge of setting how expensive it is to borrow money. So interest rates. They generally try to make it so that it's easier to borrow money when the economy isn't doing as well. Um, so that people are encouraged to spend and it gets the economy going again. And then borrowing costs tend to go up when the economy is doing better um, in order to sort of counteract too much spending, which can lead to inflation. That's sort of the the overarching role of the Fed. They also do a couple of other important things, um, namely regulating banks. So the person who is the chair of the Fed has a lot of influence over what the Fed does. And the Fed's influence in the economy is pretty massive. Um, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of what the Fed can do is (laughs) screw up. Hmm. Um, That's mainly how, you know, people experience what the Fed does when the Fed is doing things well, that makes a huge difference for people to be able to, you know, find jobs, have higher wages, not experience, you know, completely out of control inflation. These are all things that the Fed tries to do. And so basically what you want is you want the Fed to not screw up. (laughs) Breaking news out of Washington, President Obama nominating two gentlemen to become uh, members of the Federal Reserve Board. Uh, Yes, uh, we've got Jerome Powell. He is uh, former Undersecretary of the Treasury in George H.W. Bush's administration. And also Jeremy Stein, economics professor, Harvard University. So Jerome Powell, who goes by Jay, um, he was nominated first by President Obama to the Fed. Um, He joined the Fed in 2012. And basically, this was a time when Republicans were being sort of intransigent about all sorts of Obama nominees. And so he decided that in order to get a Democrat on the Fed, what he would do was pair that Democrat with a Republican, which was Jay Powell. Mm-hmm. And um, he had a long career in the um, in the financial world. One of the main things that he did was he was a private equity investor, although he was also a lawyer and uh, an investment banker. So he's had many lives. So Powell has this long history in the financial world. He's a Republican, but he's nominated by Obama in 2012 to serve on the Fed's board. And then in 2017, he gets a new gig. 
President Trump has tapped Jerome Powell to become head of the Federal Reserve. The 64-year-old has been a Fed governor since 2012. Trump named him chair, a job he still holds today. How would you characterize his time in the post under both Trump and now Biden? He's kind of uh, a, a unicorn in D.C. in that he doesn't really fit neatly into any particular box. Um, the Fed is is a, is a nonpartisan institution, and he sort of fits the mold of being nonpartisan, but he's he's been very politically savvy in terms of how he steered the Fed, where basically he wants to try and get both sides sort of on board with what he's doing as much as he can. Mm-hmm. One of the things that he's done that Democrats really like is that he's sort of reoriented the Fed to be more pro-worker, where they say, you know, we're not going to start making credit more expensive and declare victory on the economy until really as many people as possible. So especially like low-income workers, minorities, actually really start to feel the effects of the recovery. And that's sort of a, a sea change for the Fed. We will not raise interest rates preemptively because we think employment is too high, because we fear the possible onset of inflation. Instead, we will wait for actual evidence of actual inflation or other imbalances. That's one of the things that Democrats really like and they want to continue. And that's one of the reasons why Biden might actually reappoint Powell. Um, He's more aligned with Republicans on uh, financial regulations. You know, there was all of these rules that were put on banks after the 2008 financial crisis. And there were there was some rolling back of some of those rules, although a lot of them are still in place. So it wasn't like he just got rid of everything. He's you know, he wasn't sort of like a burn it down deregulator, but he was a deregulator um, under Trump. And so that's something that frustrates Democrats and um, that one of the reasons why Republicans like him better than an alternative. When it comes to Fed chair nominations, there's a kind of tradition of renominating a chair from the opposite party of you, one that Trump didn't follow, but Reagan, Clinton and Obama all did. And it's something Biden could do potentially with Powell. But you have this new story looking at how a group of progressive lawmakers, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, want Powell out and instead to have a Democratic choice. Why exactly is that? Yeah, so it's interesting because progressives are are actually kind of split on Powell for the reasons that I that I just laid out. Um, but you, basically, the the main reasons why there are some progressives who don't like Powell is uh, a he rolled back some of these rules on banks, and b they th- they don't think that he's done enough to try and prepare the financial system to deal with climate change. Hmm. Um, and there's and there's multiple different aspects of this that get really wonky really quickly. Um, but but one of the big things is that they actually really want the Fed to take a more active role in in sort of uh, helping cut off financing to the fossil fuel industry, which is, you know, which is sort of a bold and, and controversial idea. That's interesting, because you said earlier that in a way, the Fed's job is to not screw up, right? So is it like the argument in favor of keeping Powell is he hasn't exactly screwed up yet. So let's keep him in. And then the argument against him is not doing more about climate change in a way could end up being a big screw up down the road. Yeah, no, that's that's really well said. So if Biden were to nominate someone else and not nominate Powell again, who might that be? 
So the main name that you hear is uh, Lael Brainerd. Climate change, by all accounts, uh, is going to have important impacts uh, differentially across the economy over a long period of time. You just look at areas that have been afflicted by wildfires or by more frequent uh, historic levels of flooding. And she is also on the Fed board. Mm -hmm. She would be sort of an, an easy choice because people already know where she stands on things. Markets would expect that there would be relative continuity in the Fed policy, so they wouldn't have to worry about whether they need to readjust as to what the Fed might do on on monetary policy on the interest rate side. Obviously, she might be, you know, slightly different, but it it wouldn't be a a, a radical change on that side. Hmm. She's the person that, you know, basically everyone on the left can agree on, whether they're, you know, vocally enthusiastic about her or not. She's sort of the person that everyone on the left has decided that they can live with. Do we have any indication at this point of where Biden will end up coming down on this? So Biden has not publicly given any indication as to where he might go. Um, We do know that Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who herself used to be Fed chair, has told people that she thinks that Powell deserves a second term and she'll be sort of a key person in that decision. Um, you know, Powell is also sort of the uh, bipartisan choice. He he would be likely to get a lot of a lot of votes. Um, but there's also a lot of pressure because there hasn't been a Democrat really in that role much at all over the last you know more than 30 years. It's basically just been Janet Yellen in that time. And so uh, there are there are a lot of Democrats that are saying, you know, why not put our own person in there? Victoria, Guida, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me on. Also, today, the Treasury Department says it plans to award the remaining $13 billion in federal rental aid to states and localities that have been the most effective at delivering the assistance. Congress authorized $46.5 billion in emergency rental assistance to keep tenants housed during the pandemic, But the program has been plagued by bottlenecks at the state and local level for months. Just over 10 percent of the total funding have been distributed to renters and landlords by the end of July. Houston, Philadelphia and New Orleans are among the cities expected to receive additional aid. The Treasury Department says state and local programs that have, quote, substantially expended their first round of funding and obligated at least 75 percent of their second round will also be eligible for more money. And. The Justice Department is announcing a ban on no-knock entries for its law enforcement agencies and chokeholds unless the use of deadly force is authorized. The new directive applies only to law enforcement overseen by the department, including the FBI, DEA, and U.S. Marshals Service. It does not apply to immigration enforcement agencies or state and local law enforcement. The move comes over a year after the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, Taylor was killed by police in March 2020 after officers executed a no-knock warrant on her home, and Floyd was murdered in May of 2020 after Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin knelt on his neck for over nine minutes. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to subscribe to Politico's new podcast, Global Insider, which just launched today. You can find a link to it in this episode's show notes. 
I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.